Good morning, church. My name's Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at Bethany North. So glad to have you with us here in worship online. And uh, would you pray with me? We'll get started. Jesus, thank you so much for um, this time, this, pl- this place. We thank you for the sermon series, these one another's, and what you've been teaching us about how to be a church again, how to be your people again. And God, we just pray you'd engage uh, our hearts in this difficult text today. What does this mean to speak the truth in love? And how do we hear the truth in love? And what do you want to do with your church in this season, God? We love you very much. And we just pray you'd be good to us as we listen to this word. We want to hear you again, God, as you engage our hearts and our minds and our spirits for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as I just said, Glad to be with you here. This is our last Sunday of the sermon series, One Another, and our theme today is speaking the truth to one another. And our title today is simply this, can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you? I want to just say, honestly, this is a difficult topic, uh, the speaking the truth in love. Have you ever had that experience where uh, someone had to speak the hard truth to you? How'd that go for you when somebody just said, hey, I've got something hard I want to say to you? Or how'd it go uh, if you ever done that in the life of a friend or family? You spoke the hard truth. Did it go well? Did it go awkwardly? Imagine you have your own stories. I had a experience in college once. I'll keep it brief, but I had a friend that I tried to speak the truth to, that I wanted a different kind of friendship. And essentially, I kind of questioned if he was a very good friend at all. And my motives were all wrong. My timing was all wrong. I hadn't prayed enough about it. And basically, I just sounded critical of his friendship. And I essentially really ruined the arc of that friendship. Because speaking the truth in love is really damaging if it's done in the wrong way. And in this regard, we come to this text today that speaking the truth in love potentially is one of the most dangerous one another's. We've built a, a framework of love one another, encourage one another, uh, you know, be united with one another. Pastor Lydia did such a great job last week. And we come today, we arrive today at this point of speaking the truth one another. We say it's a really difficult principle to, to really unpack today. Speaking the truth in love is code word in many Christian circles of, I'm going to speak my truth and let's see if you can handle it. And in that regard, sometimes it's damaging. Sometimes it's difficult. Certainly a, a strong part of our formation of being like Christ is relational. And because we can't see ourselves as we are, we need other Christians to, to speak into our life. It's very important. It's what our friends do. It's what our family does to, to raise us up into Christ. That's speaking into our lives. But the catch for speaking the truth in love is this. What are our intentions with the truth we're trying to declare? In my experience, a lot of truth gets spoken at the expense of grace, but Jesus was full of truth and full of grace. Remember what John says, the word, Jesus, he became flesh, he dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father. He was full of grace, he was full of truth. So when we speak like Jesus, we are speaking the truth in love. When Jesus saw oppression, he called it out. When he saw faith, he spoke admiration about it. When he was angry for Peter trying to slow down what Jesus knew was his core mission, he angrily said, get behind me. Jesus spoke words of grace when kids gathered around him. He spoke in control to the storm and the waves still. So whenever Jesus spoke, he spoke both truth and in love. 
But for the church trying to become like Jesus in our actions and our words and our deeds, we've really struggled with this concept of speaking the truth in love. We still do. Often we've spoken the truth without love. And more recently, I believe we failed to speak truth at all because we fear being judgmental or coming across judgmental. Certainly in one-to-one relationships, we feel more comfortable doing that on social media or behind people's backs. But speaking the truth of love is a relational act where we are to go to people we love to say, I want to speak some truth with you together. Could we look at this together? Today is our final sermon in the One Another series. And maybe for many of you, you're like, oh, this is kind of an odd one to go out on as we head into uh, Advent. I think it's a perfect one as we think about Thanksgiving next week and being with family and being with people. What does it mean to speak the truth in love? Here's our big idea that we need to increase our capacity as people speaking the truth to each other so that together we'll experience more of God's love. We need to be a church of people being honest with each other, honestly loving, honestly serving, honestly speaking the truth and love. And so to do that, we're going to look at what this phrase, speaking the truth and love, means. We're going to look at some of the potential pitfalls and ultimately what the big payoff is for a faith community brave enough to speak the truth and love. So let's begin here with this very introductory element here. What does it mean to speak the truth and love? What does the Bible mean when it says speaking the truth and love? What Paul's using here in Ephesians 4 is this Greek word. It's a singular word, alelontontes, which is only used twice in the New Testament. And it's little translation that we say speaking the truth and love is this word Paul's using of like truthing in love. It's a singular phrase. Paul was actually alluding, some scholars say, to the book of Zechariah. And let me read to you what Paul was alluding to in Zechariah when he was writing in Ephesians. So this is from Zechariah 8, where Zechariah the prophet says, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I am the Lord. I am going to save my people from the land, from the east and from the west. I will bring them back. They will live in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people and I'll be their God in truth. And righteousness, it's this very encouraging word. God's like, I will do this. I will bring people back together. I will restore my hope for them. I will do a new thing. I'll bring them back. I'll I'll be the God of truth and righteousness. How, Zechariah 8 continues. And this is what we believe Paul was picking up on Ephesians 4. Zechariah 8 continues. These are things which you should do, Zechariah says. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and bring peace in your gates. So for Zechariah, speaking the truth was about restoration that God wanted to do in the people of God who had drifted off. Zechariah was written to a community being restored so that when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he's telling the church in that town of Ephesus, he's like, this is how you be the church. This is how you let God redeem you. This is how you let God restore you. This is how you let God strengthen your core, how you speak the truth in love. It's all about seeing God formed in their community. And so Paul's saying, if you want a healthy church where people are really growing, this is an important element, speaking the truth in love. All of these one another statements we've been looking at for the last seven or eight weeks, they were words to the church, to the people of faith. And it's important for us, if we're going to have a strong Christian witness in our city, that we practice speaking the truth in love. It's really essential. It's really difficult, but it is essential. So what does the Bible really say about speaking the truth in love? 
Biblically, it's using this conviction from scripture to share with somebody in need. It's a word of evaluation based on the scriptures and the people you're in relationship with saying, hey, I don't think you're 100% in alignment with how God would want you to live right now with these actions, with this relationship. You're sharing with another believer a conviction that maybe they're off course a bit. And so as I read the text again, I want you to see the context for speaking truth and love. It's about maturing. It's about health. It's about building others up. Ephesians 4.11, Christ himself gave us apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, everyone to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son to the fullness of Christ. It's incredible. It's about unity. Speaking the truth is about seeing Christ formed in people. And that's what we rally around as, as the church. That's what it's about. Paul continues, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, or by the cunning and craftiness of people and deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. It's this declaration when we have the purpose of Christ formed in one another and we speak truth, if our motives are, are, are for Christ to be formed in people, we will grow to become the body of Christ. Super encouraging when, when we're trying to remember how to be the church again. I'm, for us as a church, I have so many dreams for where this church is going, who we're growing to be. To, to become like Christ together. I mean, that's, that's like chief amongst my dream for this church in this time and place. And so the fine art of being a church who speaks the truth and love is key to our future growth. We can't just avoid it because we've seen it done poorly in the past. Because speaking the truth and love means I won't let you go on without me sharing where I believe you're off course, but we're gonna go there together because of our relationship. I'm not gonna give up on you. See, in our culture today, we like to say, love one another. But the people that we love are drifting off into sin, deviating from God's best. Like we owe it to people we love to say, do not go this direction. It will not lead to life. To love someone is to speak the truth and to know that because they love you and they know they're loved, that they can hear your words. Speaking the truth in love and, and hearing the truth in love. I mean, honestly, much of this message should actually be focused on what does it look like for us when others speak truth to us? Like, are we willing to hear? Are we willing to believe that maybe we're a few degrees off? Because we all are at times, all of us. Will we listen to other brothers and sisters to see God formed in us? To not believe that we're being victimized because, oh, they don't get it, whatever. Like, would we believe when people share truth with us, if it's based on what God is saying to them, that we would receive it? Often, a few degrees leads to a whole different destination. I mean, just scientifically, if you, if you head uh, 100 yards and you're off by one degree, you're going to end up about five feet off at 100 yards. It's noticeable, not a big deal. After a mile, you'll be off by even one degree. After one mile, you'll be 92 feet off course by one degree. If you are going to the moon and you're just one degree off, you're gonna be 4,200 miles off, which is twice the diameter of the moon. If you're going to the sun, you're gonna miss the sun by one degree if you leave earth by 1.6 million miles. See, the further we go without addressing the drift in our lives, the further off course we get. 
That's a hard word. But all of us, we run the risk of missing so much by allowing small acts of sin or disobedience or deviating from God. God loves us too much to leave us in our deviation, to to leave us in our hurt. So when we as a church want to speak the truth in love, it's us saying together, let's not drift from God's best. There's a scene in Steven Spielberg's version of Peter Pan called Hook that I just love where Peter Pan returns to Neverland older. He's forgotten who his core identity is. And and one of the lost boys grabs him and twists his face and smashes it. They're looking for Peter Pan inside him. And then this boy kind of grabs him and smashes it. Oh, there you are, Peter. There you are. I can finally see you. See, when we speak the truth in love, we're, we're daring to say, I so love Christ being formed in you that I'm not gonna give up on you. I'm gonna keep looking for God's best for your life. And when people share words with us, we have to trust if their intention as a brother or sister in Christ is to see Christ formed in us, we must be open-hearted. They're looking for, for the Christ in me too. We must speak the truth in love. But I want to move us into our second point. There's a warning that, that anger destroys so much of our fellowship. So our, our motives to speak truth must always be reexamined uh, through prayer, through Christ. Scripture is clear. We must be truthful with each other. But Paul is saying over and over again here in Ephesians 4, the dangers of truth without love or the dangers with love without truth, both are warning signs to a community. Let me pick up here on verse 25 of Ephesians 4. Paul writes, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for all members of one body. See, Ephesians makes it clear that speaking the truth should restore fellowship, not destroy. It's always for the formation of unity in God's people. And then Paul immediately follows up in verse 26 through 28 with this word about anger. Don't let the sun go down in anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. It's like Paul understands even to this church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, when you speak truth, do not let it be formed in a word of anger. Do not give the enemy an opportunity to break fellowship. And so there's a filter that needs to be employed on when we speak the truth in love. Will this benefit the faith of the person I'm addressing? Am I speaking out of anger or am I speaking out of Christ formed in this person? Because speaking the truth can often be dangerous to relationship, I shared that in my opening illustration. Practically then, we need to examine ourselves before we speak truth. I want you to be prayerful before you share anything uh, with somebody else. Like, do not email me in a week like, I tried it, speaking truth and love, and you know now I'm sleeping on the couch, or Thanksgiving was a nightmare. Like, no, I want you to be prayerful before you share anything that you see as truth with someone else uh, in your life. I want you to be sensitive. Maybe, maybe start with this, to say with the person you're addressing, I want to have a hard conversation together. I want you to be honest say something like, I don't see it perfectly, but what I see has me concerned. I want you to be loving. When you go to somebody to share the truth and love, I want you to, to say something like, hey, I'd like to see Christ formed in you and this habit or action or relationship or activity will not bring godliness out in you. And I'm concerned. Recently, I've been listening like many people in the church, both here in Seattle and around the country, to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's a Christianity Today podcast um, chronicling the rise and fall of the Seattle church, Mars Hill. But 
What's bigger than just the rise and fall of Mars Hill is what the podcast continues to teach me about the nature of evangelical Christianity. And it, it, uh, it's really troubling. It, it's, it's heart-wrenching for me to listen to the podcast. I have to only engage it at certain times. It's so painful. And I have a deep regret that more churches in Seattle didn't speak the truth and love when we saw Mars Hill going off course. For me, at times, I think we could have done more. And for me as a leader, I think I could have said more. What the podcast points out is a warning for all Christians and us at Bethany that that there is this something in our evangelical churches that makes peace with unhealthy leaders because at times we're obsessed with growth. But I want to be really clear as your pastor, the tree will be known by the fruit. So for any of us seeking to become more like Christ, we must model the maker. We must become more humble than we were last year. More, we must confess when we blow it. We must be authentic. Our lives must be marked with Christ. And when we fail, because we will, and when we deviate off course, we speak the truth in love. And we say, we can do better. We should do better. I'm so grateful that after so many years on staff here, I've had a lot of leaders and a lot of the teammates of Bethany North to just speak the truth to me. Scott, you seem really busy right now. You seem distracted right now. Scott, you aren't leading with vision right now. Scott, you are short with that person right now. Scott, you could have done better right now. And I don't like being corrected, but I need to be corrected. We all do. We need people around us speaking the truth in love, to crave truth enough, uh, to, to just say, hey, Jesus, would you change me? Before asking me to change the world, would you change me? And when we as, are as a church are being formed like that, then the world starts to pay attention because there's a church of people here in the city that's living their values. So there's great danger of speaking truth and love, but ultimately what Paul's saying is we can't get away from it because the result of truth and love, lives will be changed if we're really loving each other and committed to seeing each other follow Christ together. First John says it like this. We know that the son of God has come and given us understanding that we would know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. You just get this like truth, truth, truth. So Christ is fully truth. We don't see truth perfectly, but when we look through the lens of Christ, we see as Christ does. So Paul says here in Ephesians 4 that we should be kind and we should be forgiving just as Christ forgave us. And this is the really incredible punchline to speaking the truth in love. It comes at the end of Ephesians 4, verse 32. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's so key. It's why speaking true love is hopeful because it's like, well, who are we to judge? Yes, I've got a hard word of truth for our sister, our brother in Christ, but I recognize that I blow it all the time too. And so I come not in pride, but in humility. Hey, I love you. I want more for you than this. And I get it. I make mistakes too, but I'm committed to walking this road with you while you figure this out. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. We'll get through this together. That kind of speaking the truth in love, man, lives are formed. See, if we can grow into this kind of speaking the truth in love, born not of 
not of like a false arrogance, but of our own humility, we'll change the world because we'll, we'll love each other enough to, to point out when we're drifting from Christ's best. And when it's done correctly, this speaking the truth can, can, can make the church powerful again because we're engaging not in our own perspectives, but in the truth of Christ. And truthfully, our church needs to address issues of race and gender and discipleship and sin Like we need to be more truthful. It's not working for us to not be truthful when we've blown it or when we're drifting. So truthfully, we gotta be a church that's speaking the truth in love. It's why it's so important in this season. And I wanna encourage you as you listen, like will you you love the people in your life that are in your church or in your house church or Whatever, whatever group of people you're with, will you stand in the gap with them? Will you, will you love them enough to point out if you see them drifting? It's really difficult, but super important for us as a church. I've been um, just so thoughtful over the last year how difficult in 2020 especially, but 2021 as well, to speak the truth in love and not break relationship. Like, when am I, as a Christian leader, when am I quiet? When do I just listen? When do I speak up? This was a, this was the Christian's dilemma. It was certainly the Christian leader's dilemma. And and as I watched what happened in the city over summer 2020 and the issues around race, it was hard to know, like, when do we speak up? When are we quiet and we listening? When are we on the front lines marching? When are we protesting? When are we patient? I wasn't always sure when the right time was to speak the truth in love. And then I met with Black Coffee Northwest, our new renters uh, who are just taking over our former building, The Junction. And in the fall, I believe, of 2020, I started to hear from Black Coffee one of the worst things where they said, hey, Scott, we know you, but the people in your church, they're saying hurtful things to our baristas. They've said hard things to the drive-thru. And I was devastated as, as the leader of Bethany North. I was confused. I was defensive. I didn't want to believe what I was hearing, but I knew what I needed to do. And that was speak the truth in love. And so I asked my friends in the Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation to look over my words, women like Taylor Greer, Nicole Hood, others in the work at Bethany. Would you read my words of correction before I bring them to my church? And then we filmed it in the chapel. Nathan filmed it. I think I was actually wearing this shirt. I received a lot of pushback, but I had zero regret because I knew what God was calling us to was to change the conversation of race, not just across the country or across the city, but right here in our community. I knew God wanted me as our leader to speak a hard word. It was difficult, but what happened with Black Coffee was truly special. Because what we've seen for them, even in this coat drive we're doing in December, is Black Coffee saying, we want to partner with you, Bethany, to be a blessing in our city. If there hadn't been the speaking the truth in love, there wouldn't be the opportunity for partnership. And when we speak the truth in love in order to see Christ and the truth of the scriptures lived out in our lives, even at times when it's difficult, that's the place where unity is born. Right after we filmed this, I forget what we even called it, but speaking the truth and love, the statement that we filmed and sent to the church, I got a knock on the door. 
And I was actually on a Zoom call because it was like evening Zoom meetings. And I, you know, I go, oh, hold on. I rushed the front door. And there on my front porch was somebody who had left the church because what they said was we hadn't been speaking enough truth. And he had a bottle of wine and he handed it to me. And I was just kind of like, uh, you know, like, let me grab my mask and I got to get back to the Zoom. And he's like, I want to give you this wine because you did it. I said, we did what? He said, you spoke the truth to your congregation. You spoke the truth in love. Now, most of the time, friends, you're not, we're not looking for bottles of wine. We're not looking for prizes. We're not looking for gifts. And as, many, as much as we'll speak the truth in love, we'll need to receive the truth in love. But a healthy community is one concerned with how Christ is being formed in us. So it means at times we're going to say, I think we're a few degrees off here, friends. And we need to be willing to listen when the people that surround us say those things to us. That's where our unity comes from. That's where our worship comes from, where we are together strengthening the community through these speaking the truth and love moments. So I want to just um, say I want it to really be pastoral in the moment because I know this is a hard word for us, but it's a good word. I was reading C.S. Lewis recently where he said, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. And I do believe that's true for a church that's really willing to wrestle around the issues through loving Christ enough to speak the truth to one another. I love being your pastor. And I love the opportunity to grow together. And for those of you that have shared hard words for me, some of you are watching this right now, I'm so grateful that you've invested in me by sharing when you've seen me drift. And for those of you right now that need to be encouraged to have a hard conversation with somebody in your life, remember what I said earlier, to be prayerful and be loving, be sensitive and be honest so that Christ will be formed in, in his people. I want to pray for you now. I'd invite you wherever you're watching, listening to bow your heads. I want to just pray a prayer as we're continuing on in worship for what I think is going to be a really difficult topic as we, as we kind of lean into this teaching. But I just want to pray for you as we wrap up. So you bow your heads and pray with me now. Gracious God, the God of grace and the God of truth, God, help us love each other. Help us love you. God, give us courage to speak truthfully to the people in our lives who we fear are a few degrees off. Bring them back, God. Give us a voice through our love and not our anger to being instruments of truth in people's lives. And help us receive words of truth as well, God, so that we would all become more and more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.